Hey, welcome to The Pipe, the practical youth pastor. I am your host, Chris Holland, and co-host, or host, and I'm the co-host. How do you want to do that? I honestly think that this is your vision. I'm so long for the ride, so I'd like to fully embrace the role of co-host. I think we're both secure enough to say we're co-hosting a podcast called The Pipe. I like that. I like that a lot. And, um... Yeah, this is a place where you can get anecdotes and answers about practical youth ministry problems, situations, uh, just culturally, culturally relevant scenarios, things that are going on in your youth ministry, your family, in your church. We want this to be a place where people can come and ask those questions and uh, get definitive answers. There's tons of places out there where you can talk theology. There's tons of places where you can talk about uh, family ministries and all these different things. and. Um, philosophies, but what we really want here is a place where you can really talk about um, how did you do this in one, two, three? We just want anecdotes, yeah. just practical things, so that any youth pastor can turn on this podcast and they can sit back and hear how people are really solving problems in the real world in real churches. Um, so as I said, I'm Chris Holland and Steve. Yeah. Tell I'm me, I, there's a lot about your life. Like, I don't know anything about your wife. I don't think I've ever met her. I don't think yeah. I've ever met any of your kids. Did any of your kids, your kids really go to Push to Ridge? That was really important to them that I kept you separate from, from uh, them. Ama- have you met Amanda? I did for two, wife? for two seconds in the breezeway. Okay. But then I like all of her stuff on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I do that a lot with people and <laughs> we haven't actually formally like ever spoken. This but, uh, yeah. No, my kids, my kids don't go to the school here. I don't think you would have ever crossed paths with them, but they love the fact that I'm going to be part of this podcast and they, my son in particular will definitely listen. Subscriber number. Subscriber number number one. one. (laughs) Luke J. Yeah. Um, so how did you meet your wife? Did you meet your wife like in that one year of college, three years of college you were in that you uh, weren't really in? No. Although we did both have classes on that junior college campus at the same time, we, we met through work. She was the uh, assistant manager uh, for the department I was in, which was the copy department at Office Max. Oh, nice. So she's a couple of years older and had a boyfriend at the time, and I really liked her, and a lot of the guys there liked her. And just because women don't have the same list of things to be checked off, they don't care too much about looks as long as you make them laugh and you have some conversation, and I, I worked that to my advantage. Dude, that is the exact same scenario with me and my wife. Well, yeah. She was dating someone. I don't have the looks going for me at all. It looks I like do. somebody put my nose in a blender and turned it on Jew. No. Oh, like, it, it's, it's horrible. Don't yeah, say but that. she was dating somebody at the time. Like, it's very strange. And she, she broke it off, though. She did. Okay. I invited her to salsa dancing at the Baptist Campus Ministry Ooh. building. Which is the number one place I would think to go salsa dancing. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, <laughs> no, we actually so broke in... in to the BCM oh. to do the salsa dancing on Wednesday nights because nobody met up there. And, and what year would this have been roughly? 2004. No. When did I get married? 07. So probably 2004. Okay. So YouTube was a thing, but it wasn't really like the thing. YouTube so you had to know how to salsa dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was taught by uh, guys that grew up in the Dominican Republic. They were actually on Twins Edition of Fear Factor, Ryan what? and Andy Tipton. They oh, taught geez. me how to on Beach Project for Campus Outreach. Your first name drop. We're two minutes in. And they were triathletes. <laughs> they were really great guys. They were super cool guys. And Amanda was dating one of them. If she was dating one of them, she never would have looked at me. Those guys were friggin' <laughs> beautiful specimens. Of men, like, yeah, 
I mean, but they were cool guys. Like, they really were. I mean, they let me, a really turd of a kid, come and hang out with them on Beat Project. That's good. And, uh, yeah, I just took an apparatus off the microphone, but... um, It's an unnecessary apparatus at this point. I'll keep my distance. It looked kind of cool, but... (laughs) Oh, it's very professional. If people can't see, this is... For a couple of guys doing this, I feel like you've you've really legitimized this studio. <laughs> studio. That's that's the glory of a podcast these days. You really can you can do it in a dumpster, which yeah. is what twenty twenty is. It's but true. like you could really do this anywhere. It's yeah. really crazy. I mean, this device right here is just like ninety bucks. Man, he's he's touching his iPhone. <laughs> this device. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more than ninety grandpa. bucks. You're like not to your contract. So what year was that? When did y'all meet? 2002. What's but your wife's name? Annette. Annette, that's right. Yeah. Why do I always forget that? Uh, Amanda, Annette. Just one of the other ways that we're very similar. Um, Is your first Christian name Chris? No. Okay. No. What's your, Wait. Yours is Chris, right? Christopher, yeah. But but you don't have... You're not one of those guys that has a middle name. A Joseph. Switch. But but your real name isn't Joseph. Like it's Christopher, Christopher Joseph. So you're CJ. Holland. CJ yeah. Holland. That's right. I like that. CJH, yeah. Yeah, no, so we met there and, and it was, you had the older half of the, of the staff and the younger half. And then within that, you had the Christians and the non-professing Christians. And Nettie and I fell into that subcategory of the younger Christians. And so we all just kind of hung out and one thing led to another and boom, eight kids. And then marriage. Oh yeah. And then eventually, yeah, we figured, well, it's probably time to settle down (laughs) with our eight children. I pulled a LeBron. How old were you that time? When we met, I was 19, 18, 18. Okay. so she would have been 21. Was that a high school job for you? Right after. Right after high school? Immediately after. I just put resumes everywhere. Not resumes, because I really didn't have a resume, just applications everywhere. And I just hit like a shopping center, and it, my good friend was over my shoulder. Um, no, I'm sorry, over the shoulder of the hiring manager, who oh, was nice. Annette's best friend. I was like, hey, I know that guy, you should hire him. So I got in for six whole dollars an hour. My job, because I was doing school during the day, so my job was two to ten, and I would there's two, maybe three types of customers. One was um, that sweet old lady that just wanted you to make color photographs of her dearly departed husband. Those were fine. <laughs> then you had uh, secretaries or personal assistants who'd been yelled at all day and were going to yell at you because they needed to do something with that rage. And then my f- least favorite of all were the people that came in who had been promised at seven thirty that morning that their job would be done by 2.30 and that my morning person knowing that they wouldn't be there and they would forget about it and I'd find their job that would take like four hours still sitting there at the invoice and then of course they would yell at me. So it was it was a no-win. It was like being a press secretary. You know, you're just going to take your licks. You just got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. Is that, was that in Arizona? Was. Where was it? Tucson. <laughs> it was in Southeast Side. It was on Broadway and Craycroft. Oh, okay. So it's still there, still there. Um, and, awesome. and yeah, Annette had a house in Rancho Sarita, which is a little bedroom community south of here. And that, and I was like, man, I'm living with my parents. I'm 19. I need to just show that I'm a big boy. So I moved into an apartment um, with my, my buddy Dan and didn't have the money to pay big for Dan. rent. No, not Big Dan. I oh. wish. Although I knew him back then, but yeah. now this is... This is uh, but Dan's like Coke forty nine or something now. Yeah, right? Dan. Dan was more like a father figure to me. Yeah. Um, but but this Coke can Dan was my roommate, and we had, um, 
basically that's why I, I couldn't continue on to school. Cause I was like, I have no drive and I have no direction and I'm making six bucks an hour. And even though these are Pima community college prices, I, I need toilet paper and I need electricity. And so I just rationalized it that way. And I dropped out and then I came back and I dropped out again and so on and so forth. And I don't know, I have, I'm, I'm not one that believes that my life would have been infinitely easier or more successful if I had gotten a four year degree in hmm. liberal arts. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, I was the next big something, but like I've already confided in you off mic, I've never been known for my uh, intense personal drive. <laughs> So I probably would have just like declared myself a life winner after getting that four-year degree and <laughs> probably just gone into some kind of a deep depression and tried to write the great American novel. I'm pretty sure in 2020 you would have used it as the most valuable thing you had, which is toilet paper. Yeah, it's true. Oh, my wife got me a bidet for my birthday a year and a half ago. Dude, and is so that I, when John Jackson got his? Oh, I, I, I promise you, everybody that, that we both know got theirs because I said you need to get yourself a bidet. Totally told John. He swore like, by it. Oh, yeah. When the toilet paper shortage was happening, like, John was like, no, it, go down to Costco. And it, get was a non-issue. A it was a non-issue. It was a non-issue. I don't even touch it. The, I have, I have, when we went to camp over the summer and our fall retreat a couple weeks ago, those are the two times in the last year and a half that I've been away from my bidet. And I just felt like I was in, like, Wilderness Man or something. It's like, you know, one of those colonial towns where you go and you live a day churning your own butter. And I felt like that. <laughs> Like this is oh, I feel like a, a savage. The the first place I re, I remember the first place I saw it of a day, Crocodile Dundee one. Oh, so you saw one a long time ago, back before it was a thirty dollar plug into your toilet. You're, you're talking like an actual porcelain. Yeah, separate you know, bidet. whenever what's her name Sharon Stone or whoever it was, she puts him up in the hotel and he like oh, washes I, his boots in the bidet. I've never seen that movie. Are you kidding me? There's there's not seriously. A whole, is it Paul Hogan? I think is the actor. There's there's. Think about that. That came out when we were like two. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time ago. But I mean, it was one of those classics on TNT or TBS. They edit yeah. out all the bad stuff or whatever, which yeah. is a problem now being in youth ministry. Because I, oh, I, I thought those movies were fantastic and devoid of nudity and graphic language. Yes. They are not. 80s PG is such a dangerous, dangerous uh, rating. <laughs> and you it, ain't whistling Dixie. Like it no. is. Yeah. And, and, I, and I will say that. Uh, the positive of that is I see some movies like Karate Kid and I'm like, there's like 25 minutes of content that I never, ever saw, even though I'd seen this movie 200 times. I didn't know they went to golf and stuff. (laughs) I, there's so much there that I was like, I didn't know any of this happened. There's so much more of a story behind Daniel and Allie than I ever knew ever. You were robbed. I was robbed and I would VHS that sucker and then just watch the recorded network, you know, airing of it on beta tapes just a skosh past it not that i didn't know what beta were though i do remember that but they were kind of gone by that point i'm talking late 80s okay you know but yeah so anyway that's how i saw superman one two three and four was on beta tapes my dad was very faithful to beta he's like this is the medium my friend it's like blu-ray or you know uh hd he was like beta beta is gonna win he was really wrong on that uh, you know what? But he took his shot. He didn't know that at the time. Nobody did. Yeah. And I mean, not long after that, DVDs came out and CDs. I remember CDs came out and I was like, no way. And then you get the AOL disc, oh, you know, yeah. in the mail. And it's like, how do you put that minutes. much? How do you put the internet on a disc? I, I remember, uh, first of all, on the Betamax thing, I do remember this awesome little place on the southeast side of town called uh, Movie Shack. 
and a guy had just taken a normal three two ranch style house and turned it into a movie place. Of it course, was we all had those. Wonderful, but you'd have the VHS, and then right in front of it would be the beta. And there were times where I wanted to get my certain selection, and I would run over there, and it would just be that two thirds the size beta, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and it teased me just long enough for that box. Your point with the CDs, though, I will say I've never been an early adopter to media, mm-hmm. so I had CDs. I had CDs up until like 2012. That was my primary, maybe 2013. That was my primary wow. mode of listening to music. If things like Spotify hadn't come out and the ease at which you can access it, I would still probably have CDs. We got a pretty pretty new van two weeks ago. It didn't <laughs> even come with a CD player. Oh, I was like, either he's really bad at transitions. <laughs> I see where you're headed with that. No, Not but it didn't. Like, it was. Hey, I got a cool van. <laughs> like, oh, okay. No, so Donald right. Trump. <laughs> no. Oh, they don't. They don't. And, and and actually, a lot of them now, crazy, is they don't even come with a normal auxiliary connector. Yeah. They come with, it's just Bluetooth. Or like, it, I saw, this one has a USB. I feel like an old man talking about this. Yeah. But this is our stage, mid-30s. Right. Like, this is kind I of what's it. going on in our lives. Because at 37, I'm not sure if I tipped into late 30s. So I'm glad that you said mid. I was trying to be gracious. That was nice of you. You're welcome. But, like, it, it was it was really strange. And, the, again, I feel like an old man. But it's like you don't have the sh- gear shifter. Right. You have a button. No, no, I... That w- that was vexing for me well, we when we were test driving that. it. Yeah, we didn't learn. That's a jump that we no one was prepared for. It's so funny. It's full circle because isn't that how they started? Like the Model T Ford was with by pushing the button. Is and it? Th- yeah, yeah. And then like all oh, people are stealing cars, so we gotta have a key. And now we're back to this. I'm That's... not. I'm not joking. You, you can check that out. That so we're full circle on button push wow. cars. That just blows my. I didn't know that about. You know a lot about oh. Ford. Yeah. Henry Ford. Because I said it two times today. So you clearly did. I'm like his biographer in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, that. don't get me wrong. I love my Henry Ford history. Yeah. Well, who doesn't? That's kind of what I, th- you kind of sold me on this podcast being a Henry Ford podcast. So I feel kind of blindsided mm. that we're talking about ministerial things. Does that make sense? And with that. <laughs> Let's go to our first sponsor. <laughs> Ovaltine. So no. Um, so you meet Annette. That's. How many years ago was that now? 18. 18 years ago. How long did y'all date right after that? She broke up with her boyfriend? Yeah. No. Um. Gosh, I think we're just like a week past our 18th uh, date anniversary, And then wow. so we dated all the way into summer of 04 where I proposed to her. And the way I did that was she was a Starbucks manager. And when you opened a new Starbucks uh, to a neighborhood, you had this thing called a friends and family event in which Starbucks had free drinks and food for yeah. the people you invited. Well, I leveraged that, Uncle Howie Schultz, and I proposed to her there because she wouldn't think it's weird that all of her, literally her friends and family were there. She wouldn't be, she's so focused on it happening that she didn't uh, think about the fact that, you know, like if I seem nervous, she's not paying attention to it. Anyway, I proposed to her there. And then wow. we got married the following uh, we, well, not following. It was October of 05. And then our daughter, Hannah, was born one day after our first anniversary. So we've kind of always been So she been wasn't illegitimate. Correct. Three, she was born 366 days after we said, I do, before uh, wow. the Lord in our family. Dude, that's awesome. But yeah, was that three months to be just newlyweds? So we're hoping on the back end, which we keep restarting the shot clock and Nate's too. Yeah. At some point, it's just going to be Annette and I. Maybe. <laughs> Eventually. How old's your youngest? He's the two-year-old. And you have eight kids. Mm-hmm. So 14 to, to two. Yeah. I mean, we have four kids, and we're from seven down to two. 
And oh, I feel like that's a f- handful. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like you dwindled the numbers. I was like, oh my gosh, that's super tragic. We're going to go there right away. I like the, I like this. You feel safe. Let's. I get you age range from seven to two. That's right. What's your two year old's deal? What is, what is she like? Oh man. She is, she, she a pistol. Yeah. I mean, she's a handful. I mean, she's the one that, you know, in the movies when somebody gets just unreasonably angry and they just shuffle everything off the desk in anger and throw it against the wall and break the mirror. She does that. Like I'm the youngest in my family. Are you the youngest? Older of two. So like I'm the youngest of two. And so like Clement, her name's Clementine or we call her tiny, like tiny, just, she unreasonably, (laughs) unreasonably gets angry. So Amanda and I were sitting on this, what do you call it, a chase or whatever in our living room. A couch. Well, it's it's a fancier, it's something my parents bequeathed us whenever oh we moved and they sold their house. Okay. Like, so um, <laughs> so Tiny comes over to, to sit with me and I'm cuddled up with my wife Amanda because we still cuddle because we still love each other. Okay. And um, Tiny comes up and there's no room on the couch and I don't make room for her. I enjoy cuddling with my wife. And as soon as I say, hey, Tiny, go sit over there. I'll be over there in a second, baby. And, and Tiny just goes, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> so you're on the sh- on the chase that your parents bequeathed you with. That's right. Cuddling with your wife. And Tiny's not having this. And so <laughs> she just melts down. But that's kind of her standard option. Like, we'll be standing in the kitchen, Amanda and I, or I'll be talking to one of the kids. I like, Throw one of my kids up on the counter yeah. and just talk more out level. Them up there. Yeah, right away. Um, and so, like, I'll be in there and Tiny will come in and grab my leg. It's adorable, but it's annoying. So I'll say, hey, Tiny, go to the. I'm just joking. It's not annoying. It's really, I love it. She's not going to listen to this. But I'll say, hey, Tiny, go in the living room. I'll be there in a second. And she'll do the same, same thing. Like, I, I don't understand why she. I hope that when you go to walk Tiny down the aisle and, and you mm-hmm. notice the, the frigid relationship of this girl who's on your arm and that you're both just playing this part and going through the motions. I want you to realize that it's because you never were there for tiny in those formative years. Never. They say the first five, they're like a sponge. And all she's going to remember is, is that daddy is making me not just don't grab my leg, go to another part of the house from me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I have needs too. I, I have a feeling, would you say that your youth group is filled with like, People that started off like tiny. I got a buttload. I mean, I've yeah. got a kid in that sucks his toe, his naked toe every single Wednesday night. Naked toe suckers. Yeah. And that's what they call him, the toe sucker. Now, does he do it to pacify himself or does he do it just for attention? Or is there there's something else, some other cool option I don't even know about? <laughs> I hope it's not to pacify himself. Can you imagine trying to go to sleep sucking on your own toe? Depends on your dexterity. I mean, I mean, if I could, maybe I, I don't know. Infant yoga. I don't, I don't know. I'm super cleanly. So it wouldn't creep me out the way that probably you're probably picturing your toes. I chewed on one toenail as a kid, only one time. And it's part of, you now. And I just, I got like, can't live it down. I got, I got the toe jam in my mouth and it just like, it was nasty. See, toe jam's not, that's not even part of my world, my man. Same way the toilet paper isn't like it's called two showers a day and slippers. <laughs> Slippers yeah. in between. But anyway, that we're I get it. I get it. I, I, but I, I I don't know. Yeah, Tiny, she she has a lot of energy and she's excited regularly. She seems to forgive me, but I've already started saving money for family counseling when she turns like 18 or 19. Yeah. It, she's going to need it. This better turn into that type of podcast. 
eventually. <laughs> a counseling. A counseling one. As you work out your issues, yeah, you know, we can use her as our little case study. I think so. So when did you become a Christian? Yeah, I'm segueing. Okay, well, you're also assuming certain things about me. <laughs> um, when does one become did a Christian? Did you grow up? A, did you you grew up in Tucson? Yeah. And at, at a little indie fundy Baptist church that I really like. Like I still have I'm so glad that we went there till I was six. And then we went to another another Baptist church in town that I love. That was my six to twenty five church. Oh wow. Yeah. And then and then we're married when I was when we were going there. Um, but anyway, to the origin question. So I was I was probably three when I decided that I I wanted I no longer wanted to live for myself. You were three. And I and I didn't and I didn't want to be the type of person that I, I was, you know, when I was away from mom and dad, when I was drug, drug dealer, <laughs> wasn't dealing, but I wasn't closed off to it. If that you makes were, sense. I'm, I don't know if you're being, <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious. I just, I hated the, I hated who I had become in the mirror. If that makes sense at three. And I realized mm. I want something more. I want something different. And so I surrendered. Um, yeah. but I'm obviously, somebody that recognizes that yes, if you've got your apostle Paul moment, that's amazing. But I'm not one that believes that one becomes a Christian in a moment. I believe that there's a time when the realization of that knowledge hits you and the fullness of it. But then obviously the sanctification process is one that'll go on until I die because I was texting on the freeway or however I go. Hmm. But I was three when I prayed the prayer and then I prayed it another 35 to 40 times up to junior high baptized multiple times baptized once. Oh man. I was was, baptized four times. I was, here's the weird thing. I was pretty consistent in the sense that I was like, but I like we went to the other church and they wanted to baptize us and, uh, or they, my parents asked and I was like, no, I've already been baptized. And I was six. Are you checking your Gmail? (laughs) That's fine. But anyway, so I did that. And my brother was three. It was funny because when I became convinced of of my theological leanings that I currently have, and I love this idea of pedo-baptism, it was funny because my dad and I were having a debate, and I just was like, wait a minute, Dad. I, when I got baptized, I was six, and Matt was three. And he just kind of grinned. I was like, well, like, we kind of agree. And of course, not in function, but that was kind of my, my deal. So anyway, I went to uh, Desert Christian High School, which was awesome. I don't absolute blast. That's I knew big Dan and Coke can Dan from desert. Um, really, really good time. And it was around junior year that I started to poke out of the bubble a little bit and realize that there were a lot of people that believed differently than I did. Mm-hmm. And so Alan Cooney was my Bible teacher, my history teacher. And he really started giving me some great stuff to read. And, uh, that's, I feel like around then uh, between 17 and 18 is when my faith really became my own which was pretty cool. But, I, but and I find this a lot, apologetics becomes that rocket fuel, and I wanted to, like, battle people. Mm-hmm. And so that drove me to test kind of what I believed and if it was what I believed or if it's what I was taught. Was it like the, like the Calvinist rage cage stage? No, I was never a jerk like that. I was always a nice guy. This was Jehovah's Witnesses that, oh, okay. that came to my door. More relevant stuff to Tucson. There's for way sure. more Mormons Jehovah's Witnesses sure. out here than Alabama. Correct, correct, yeah. And and so that was it. And there was an older man, Dick Shirtliff, and I say God rest him. 
because that's what you say. And it makes my heart sad, but he has passed on. And he and I, for months and months, went back and forth, back and forth. And it was really cool. It was really something else. It got to a very tearful climax where we realized we were in an impasse. And then one Christmas Eve service, I popped down and my dad handed me the obit. And it was Mr. Sherliff, I felt. I was bummed. So you would argue with him. He had a different perspective or he was refining your Christian No, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, okay. So you were... And I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I don't know if you picked up on that part. You know, I, I had questions about yeah. it. I, I didn't want to... Oh, because I did say... I was. I left it pretty ambiguous. I said things like my own theological leanings and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's why I'm, I'm not a big blood transfusion guy. But anyway... Mm. Uh, but it was great because all of a sudden, instead of like, say you read Walter Martin and it's, you know, Kingdom of the Colts, now you've got a human who's based their life on this, yeah. air quote truth, and you've based your life on your truth. And it's like, let's talk about this. And I, and I, I it, that I can, I carried that on up until my married life. I had a, I had a baby and little Hannah would sit there in the chair in Sarita and swing and the Jehovah's Witnesses were there in the morning. And then my Mormon missionary friends would come over in the afternoon. And that's what Wednesdays were. Annette would work. We'd work opposite. And so, you know, little goofy six-month-old Hannah didn't really obtain a lot from that, I'm guessing. But we would sit there and I'd really get to know those guys. And then it would always culminate with the missionaries where when it was obvious that we were at an impasse, um, Annette would make them dinner. And then they that would be kind of our, hey, you know, it's been a good run. That concludes our first episode of The Pipe continue interviewing Steve Johnson next week and hear a little bit more about the vision behind the pipe. So if you have questions that you'd like answered or anecdotes or just how-tos on youth ministry, please send us an email at thepipe at gmail.com. We'll be glad to answer those questions for you. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.